millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Sometimes feel like the day is a bit hard to cope with. We hear you, and me CBD can help. Research has shown that cannabinoids can have a positive effect on many conditions, from insomnia and anxiety to arthritis and chronic pain. Me CBD is organic, 100% natural, and vegan. Make a little me time with your cuppa and feel at your natural best. Visit mecbd.com. That's M E CBD.com. Use discount code SPRING10 at checkout. is Dave Hanready and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 78 of the No Encore Music Podcast. I'm joined by a big man on campus himself, Craig Fitzpatrick. I, 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 you forgot I my to, surname. I was, guess, I, was, I was trying to guess your middle name and I was like, no, don't, don't, don't do it, it's too late. It's Charles. Charles. Yeah, which is very back to school, isn't it? Hey, Craig Charles. Yeah, Craig Charles. Like Robot like, Wars. <laughs> Robot War, Wars, Dwarf. Coronation Street and DJ, I believe. And He's Red big Dwarf. into his... Yeah. Reggae, you want to say? Is he big? Something along those lines. Yeah. Red Dwarf. I'm yes. the oldest person in the fucking room. <clears throat> there goes my voice for the evening. Um, anyway, so how, how is college? It's great. I'm knackered after four days. Excellent. Of, yeah, yeah, and where yeah. were you before the show? <laughs> the pub. Of course. <laughs> Dicey's Beer Garden. Yeah. Don't give them a plug. Two euro <laughs> drinks. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? I don't know. Sorry. How many did you have, Craig? Two. Two? Two? Yeah, I'm respectable. I you got a podcast to do. Cool and Regan, I don't find this very professional at all. I've done far worse, Dave. You have <laughs> during lunch times. That's true. So yeah, those days are behind you, though. Yeah. Oh yeah, fully sensible. That was at this back point. when you used to work for your old stomping ground, which I <laughs> may for many jobs, mate. <laughs> yeah. which I, I may have trashed life. said stomping ground online, only to get a really nice news story about the live show the next day <laughs> by said stomping ground. Hold on, what live show? Oh yeah, sorry, uh, Craig. Uh, Colm and I are doing a live podcast. Am I invited? No. Okay. Because you're back in college now, you're too good for us. So what about my over. new student mates? Well, they can come. 
that are all very excited about oh. Dahi, yeah, who will I'm, be playing. I'm afraid there's no discount for them, though. <laughs> I thought you were about to say, they're all very attractive. And I was like, wow, he's outing himself straight away. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, uh, well, all of that is to say that uh, if you've been listening to the show regularly, you will know for sure that we're doing a live podcast in Whelan's as part of the Dublin Podcast Festival, the first ever, but our second ever show. That's on Thursday, September the 28th, two weeks from today, or rather, you know, like yesterday, because yeah. the podcast will be out on the Friday. Uh, I promise I'll be a lot more together and composed than I am right now, but if you come to the show... All you got to do is go into Ticketmaster and pay €12 Euro and you'll get a ticket sent to your house. I, th- I think that's how it works. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some magical stork brings you <laughs> a concert ticket. What a system. In this case, you will get to see us doing our thing alongside Dahi, Elaine May and post-rock instrumental Titans overhead the Albatross. Yes. It's going to be great. Very it's going to be fantastic. I'm very much looking forward to it. It's very, very close. I can't pull out now. No, you really, really can't. <laughs> and uh, what's more, the podcast festival is actually starting this Monday. Uh, so if anything else on that lineup tickles your fancy, Scroobius Pip, S-Town. Um, Little White Lies with James Richardson. Yeah, absolutely. There's a bunch of stuff on there, so Ton check it stuff. out. And some heads of podcasts stuff. as well. Juvenilia, Alison Spittle, uh, Personality Bingo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's happening as well. Yeah. Uh, Jareth Regan, his Irishman Abroad podcast. Tons of stuff, but come to ours and only ours. And uh, that's the most important one. So, um, <clears throat> I guess before we move on with the show and dive into news, we sent our... I guess it's official now, isn't it? I mean, mm. like our roving Ro- Ro- reporter, our yeah. roving pop concert reporter, our roving raving reporter, yeah. David Anthony Tapley. We sent him to another gig this week because I wasn't going to this one, and I think we've all kind of outgrown this man a little bit. Uh, You're a bit of a love fan. A well, yeah, yeah. we sent along David Tapley to Troubadour Extraordinaire Ryan Adams at the Olympia Theatre, and that sounded a bit like this: September the eleventh, a date normally remembered for catastrophe. An international heartache. Plumes of smoke billow as far as the eye can see, and the cacophony of screams bounce around the concrete walls. I am, of course, talking about September the 11th, 2017, the day that I, David Anthony Tapley, aged 26, went to see rocker Ryan Adams in Dublin's Olympia Theatre. Adams played a 25 or maybe 26 song set last night and it left me with some thoughts and feelings deep inside of me the first thought or perhaps questioning is how a songwriter as obviously limited as Ryan Adams can boast nearly a 30 song set and not get any way self-conscious about how they're like groups of three songs that sound identical to each other to the point that when he started playing one song I thought he was playing a previous song again. The second is, how can a performer who preemptively warns the crowd of his Meniere's disease, which is an inner ear disorder, whose attacks can be triggered by flashing lights, uh, how can someone with this disorder have such an intense light show from literally the first track? Um, I I don't want to call him a liar, but he's definitely lying, uh, allegedly. And the final thought uh, of this review is that uh, it came shortly after the final track of the night, which was uh, started by Ryan Adams strumming the first chord of yet another bargain basement Springsteen shit show uh, and the dry ice machines giving us everything they had. Now, I'm not talking about nightclub or disco amounts of uh, dry ice. I'm talking about possible malfunctioning smoke machine 
levels of smoke. Now, I don't know if you guys are a fan of this taste or smell of dry ice, but it just reminds me of being 14 in Lucan, going to discos and not getting the shift. Two-word summary of Ryan Adams' Olympia Theatre, 9-11-2017. Never remember. Not quite as succinct as his Electric Picnic review, but a bit more scathing, you might say. But I must say, despite not being at the gig, I agree with every word, because Ryan Adams has, <laughs> Ryan Adams has three good songs, oh, and, he only, and he only played one of them at that gig. That's not true, but I know. Uh, Zara Hedeman, friend of the show, was uh, pretty much harassing him on Twitter during the week. Yeah. See that? I, I feel like we have the chats. We seem to know a lot of people that have had conversations with Ryan Adams on Twitter. Conversations with Ryan Adams on Twitter sounds like the name of a really bad Ryan Adams song, doesn't it? <laughs> not really. Okay. Sounds like a grey Father John Misty song, but anyway. Uh, let's not get into it. Let's get into the news. And we'll start on a serious note. Rubber Bandits, who of course are known for their chicanery and their comedy, but also the odd uh, kind of, I guess, serious statement that they make, have made a pretty big statement with a new song. It's called Sunny, and it sounds like this. Disappoint in his wife He wasn't called a fucking knack Or every day of his life He never lied to his children They're better off if he leaves Cause what he has is a problem Not a fucking disease He doesn't think when he's drinking He doesn't drink to forget He doesn't drink to remember The smell of drink on her breath He's middle class and he's white He has no cause for complaining He wasn't sexually assaulted By those fellas at training She doesn't care what they're saying Okay, so, according to Golden Plec, which published a story in this, they have said that the rubber bandits have delivered the most powerful and poignant political statement to date. Sonny takes on the hidden scandal of suicide in Ireland, smashing the stereotypes that are placed upon victims and their families with merciless intent. They go on to describe this as the most powerful song, without a doubt, released by an Irish act in 2017. Um, I don't quite know how I feel about this one, to be honest, guys. I mean, it's definitely a good song, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of what it's... And I fully support the message that it's putting out there. It's to raise awareness about mental health and suicide particularly amongst young Irishmen and I don't know I, just, I watched the video and for whatever reason I didn't feel anything and I feel kind of bad that I didn't feel anything but I just kind of didn't and I think you know it's that thing of like sometimes you know you see like the George Hook thing and my reaction to that is well of course you know he's a fucking dickhead and should be out of a job he's really old but like I to me like you know I'm From not saying like, I, I'm not trying to like, say like you know oh I'm so fucking progressive that I know these things or whatever but I guess there are segments of society that might need a bit of waking up to things and that's fine uh, and I don't in any way mean to demean anything that's going on with rubber bandits in this one but like at the same time rubber bandits themselves I don't know I, I I just find it kind of strange when they do this kind of stuff because they're so known for being so uh, zany as comedians and to me it's kind of like when like like like, like it's, it's almost like a clown giving a fucking TED talk on climate change. I'm, <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know. I, I find it kind of hard to swallow. And I'm not in any way, like, fucking pouring cold water on this at all. I think it is for a hugely important cause. And I totally support the message. But I don't know. I, I just didn't feel anything. See, I mean, I, I think there's a couple of things. Number one, you know, like, there has definitely been a sort of a, a change in how the rubber bandits are perceived. And Blind Boy in particular in the past while since he's, like, you know, been going on the Late Late Show and stuff like that. And it's proven, four, yeah, it's proven himself to be, a, you know, a pretty erudite and pretty astute sort of commentator on what's going on in Ireland right now. The other thing, though, is that, and, like, this 
constantly comes up in, in terms of sort of like mental health awareness in particular, that, you know, like there is no one particular voice that people are going to listen to. And something that connects with you may not connect to the next person. So if there's a bunch of people who are sort of, you know, connecting with this rubber bandit statement in one way or another, then surely that's for the net gain, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Um, I thought actually just in terms of like the song's content and I thought it was quite like there was some really kind of devastating but poetic lines in there. I think they're actually quite underrated as writers. Um, But it is that thing of like, I mean, the whole message is just like, it's very hard to see when people are struggling and blah, blah, blah. And that's quite an overwhelming message to get as well. So from that point of view, I didn't quite know what to do with it either. But um, definitely a great intent. And yeah, fair play to them. Yeah, it's it's a weird one because, like I say, I, I'm very much in support of this message. And, of course, there are some people out there who can have a flashing neon sign in their face and still not, might not see that somebody is struggling mm. and also might see that someone's struggling and might not know how to react to it. And that's cool. And it's all about normalizing that kind of thing. And as the song kind of goes, it doesn't, you know, you don't have to have experienced an extreme personal tragedy to feel suicidal. Like yeah. it's, it is, a, it's actually quite a natural way for a lot of people to think. So, like I say, just I, I just found myself kind of wanting to embrace it a bit more. But for whatever reason, I just didn't. I, I, I don't know. Um, but look, nonetheless, obviously the message is important. And if you are feeling suicidal, please contact the Samaritans, oh one 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 six one two three or Pieta House eighteen hundred two four seven two four seven. As I've said in the show before, I myself have availed of Pieta of services before and they are great people doing very important work can I say on an ever so slightly lighter note there um, how great was it to watch uh, God Knows and Merle dancing on their chairs oh their sure yeah, yeah, yeah. those guys have got serious fucking moves <laughs> maybe that's why I felt a bit kind of alien because I was like I can't dance like that I'm never going to be able to like I really I genuinely You're wish I could never going to dance again is that Guilty feet. <laughs> Let's stop it. Right Ain't got no rhythm. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll make it a bit lighter, but not too lighter, because Selena Gomez, who we are a huge fan of on this podcast, has come out and said that social media is bad for friendships and your general mental health. And I have to say, I'd kind of agree. Yeah. She has opened up about how her struggles with her own mental health issues, and she's described how fame and social media have affected her happiness and her friendships. She took a break from Instagram and Twitter last year. At the time, she said that I think it's safe to say that most of you know a lot of my life, whether I liked it or not. I had to stop. Now, speaking in a new interview with a periodical called Business of Fashion, which I can only presume, Cullum, you get every... Oh, subscription. Yeah. Is it uh, every month or every, <laughs> quarterly, is it, I presume, is it? Oh, oh quarterly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course. I assume so. Like 700 pages. Uh, well, she has said, it's a lonely journey to really figure out where all this stuff is coming from and to detach from it. It becomes an addiction. It becomes a habit. Retraining your mind to not go to these negative places when you say something wrong, do something wrong, when you wear a certain thing or represent a certain culture. But it is lonely. I had to lose a lot of people in my life to get there you have to figure out the people that are in your circle i feel like i know everybody but i have no friends and yeah she's like, that was a she says she's got like, like three good friends she can tell everything to but she knows everybody and she goes anywhere and i'm like hey guys how's it going and it feels great to be connected but having boundaries is also very important and i guess you know this is the other side of the coin that we never really see and we all we often try and say like you know i know the likes of selena gomez justin bieber britney spears whoever have a completely different life than we will ever lead, but there is a consequence for that life, and stuff like that is the case. And of course, Selena's like, what, she's like 23 or something? Yeah. You know, she's still very much in her formative years. And what's more, has probably lived, what, since about 15? In that sort of spotlight? yeah. Well, it is the the thing, I mean, she makes a lot of good points about social media that I think we we all can kind of recognise, and more and more we're seeing stuff about, you know, how it's, it's not great for you, and it does become addictive. But also... You know, her experience is very different to most people. Um, I can't even imagine being a celebrity on that scale and actually trying to use any of these apps. Well, I can, because a few weeks ago on Instagram... (laughs) A few weeks ago on Instagram, I put up a very innocuous photograph of myself. And lads, 
what happened next? Went oh. viral, Dave. It just yeah. blew up. Yeah. Uh, let me actually just check. It was now. entirely like spam bots. Don't you it? take this away from me, <laughs> sir? Let me let me just check I'd this. I probably follow them all. This photograph. Here we go. Uh, Two thousand five hundred ninety-one likes, lads. Let me tell you, I felt ten feet tall that day. Um, <laughs> sure. For the record, about didn't you panicked and tried for, to make it stop? <laughs> for the record, I, I have one hundred and thirty-nine followers on Instagram. Let me see. What oh, you saw this? It, it, it was it was a photograph. Now, now the caption did say it's a rare, a candid shot of me not talking for five whole minutes. Oh yeah, that will get the likes. Poses, but, like. <laughs> well, maybe people were like, "Yeah, he's finally shut the fuck up." <laughs> I'm liking this, but no, I I got besieged by um, a flood of spam bots, wherever they are, and it did freak me out. I have to say, I tried to make my profile private. I didn't know what was happening, so you can't imagine anytime seeing a gamma as much as like you know pocket dial someone like or like whatever like her phone just explodes so yeah, yeah I mean but hey look you know uh, from my own point of view over here as just a regular guy I would say that social media can be uh, annoyingly addictive and re- you have this kind of reflexive habit of just checking it even though it's not particularly interesting and I found that like even uh, as recently as yesterday I kind of went back to the gym and I, I, I actually went out lads and I bought myself a kind of a small mp3 player right so that I wouldn't be using my phone Wow. Um, so there we go. So uh, part t- uh, twofold reason. Big step. It is. I know it sounds ridiculous. I mean, but it actually is. I I, I was like, okay, now I can't check my phone. Yeah. Like the, like I've left it at home. I can't look at it. And I saw actually I saw Ricochet today on Twitter, kind of saying that like <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, I know. Yeah, yeah. I, one hand feeds the other. Um, I mean, he basically said that, he, he said like because he he does a ton of stuff online. Like he runs a book club and he's obviously you know a DJ and all this kind of stuff and he does a lot of events. But he said that he's turned off his notifications on all of his feeds Ooh. and stuff. He said because if he didn't, it would probably like like you, you'd constantly well, yeah. be disconnected. And I have found even like you know like 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 I work freelance and like you know you kind of find that like sometimes you, you can be in a job and be like, oh Jesus, like I, I'm just checking my phone. Like it, it becomes part of your daily routine. Yeah, you know what? Well, here's the thing though. Uh, that's quite interesting because like we've talked before about like pop stars and in, is there kind of any level an inherent kind of trade-off of a bit of your privacy for a life in the spotlight you know yeah. how, how much are you kind of agreeing to give away there but in music at any level now social media like that's just part of the deal you have to do it there's no way you'll get anywhere without doing it yeah so I mean, is this part of the transaction now? Is it just taken as read that if you want to have a half-decent music career these days, you're going to have to do all your social media and take all of the evils that come with that? I think yes, but also if you're supremely talented, there is another option now that's opened up where like that whole scarcity thing, working as a marketing thing. I mean, that would be the smart way to go, I think, no? Where you're just like kind of mystery of I'm not on anything whatsoever yeah again perhaps you need to be slightly lucky to be able to do that yeah, I feel yeah, yeah. maybe we should always go on to LO remember that I signed up did you I still have loads of invites if you guys <laughs> guys no if you what you're talking about <laughs> oh man it was like the kind of rival to Facebook about two years ago and if, like what fell apart after a weekend or oh, that passed me by I must say yeah well Someone who I presume has no social media accounts whatsoever because he's from a different era is Harrison Ford. Why are we talking about Harrison Ford on a music show? Well, I'll tell you, listener. It's because he's revealed his love of Action Bronson and his television show, Feistland's Fuck That's Delicious, a travel and food show that follows Bronson across the world as he visits restaurants and tries local delicacies, street food and fine cuisine. Cullum, are you all over this? Uh, I, I mean, I'm a fan. 
I didn't expect I would share that with Harrison Ford. Yeah, it's a weird one. I think it has to be said that Harrison Ford has a far better story of how he got into the show, though, <laughs> uh, because he met one of the correspondents at his son Malcolm's apartment. He was sleeping on the couch. Of course he was. Very, very <laughs> smart guy. <laughs> Must be a very nice couch. Uh, yeah, he said that uh, it's a really, really interesting show. Uh, some of it, he did clarify. He said, just, you know, a distracting and interesting glimpse into someone else's world, which I guess is true. Uh, Ryan Gosling, who is his co-star on the new Blade Runner film, got a got a glimpse into his into. Harrison Ford's world when he got punched in the face on set by accident Harrison swears I guess that must happen a lot though if you're like rehearsing a scene where you have to punch someone for real oh of course yeah yeah, well, Harrison Ford said that Ryan Gosling's face was not or where it should have been. <laughs> and then said his job was to be out of the range of the punch. My job, job was to make sure that I pulled the punch. But we were moving the cameras, moving these things happen. Now, I'm not the biggest Harrison Ford guy in the world. I think he's a great movie star. I would dispute... As opposed to actor. Yeah, I yeah, would dispute yeah, I that he's a great actor. I, I, I know he does be, the same thing in every film. Pretty, pretty much. much. Yeah. I mean, I think he's, he, I think he's great. He has a bit of an aura there. Yeah. He's phenomenal in the films he's phenomenal in, and one of those films is Blade Runner, and I have maintained for a long time it's because he didn't really understand the film that he's making, and it works for the character, because <laughs> yeah, sure. Deckard's a bit ineffective and doesn't yeah, know what he's doing. I agree. Um, I love Blade Runner. I'm worried about that new film, though, because they have bounced uh, Johan Johansson mm. off the soundtrack duties, and we got Hans Zimmer uh, alongside ben- Benjamin Walfish. Zimmer. Han- Hans Zimmer and Benjamin Walfish, who did the score for It, which is decent, but I don't know, it just, uh, it just strikes me that they're trying to make a less arty movie and a more generic one. Nonetheless, uh, I did enjoy this Harrison Ford confirmed that he'd taken a bottle of scotch to Ryan Gosling's dressing room to apologise poured him a drink and then left with the rest of the bottle (laughs) yeah I love the quote what did he fucking expect the whole bottle you know I figured one drink would fix it that was enough (laughs) (laughs) I I, I think that's fair yeah Yeah. especially if it's good scotch well, I feel like, you know, we can't really be too tenuous. Let's get back to some o- other grizzled rockers who are actually involved in music. Cullum, shall we pay tribute to our former stomping ground? Oh, yeah. These, this is a story that, like, you just wish you were back on Radio Nova. Of course. To do a rock report about uh, Gene Simmons announcing the Gene Simmons vault experience. And, uh, yeah, this is the Kiss frontman basically uh, bringing out this box set that is uh, going to weigh, weigh 38 pounds. That's two and a half stone in old money. Um, career-spanning box set, 10-disc set, uh, 150 unreleased songs, a leather-bound photo book, non-makeup action figure, an oversized medallion, a very special surprise item. The whole thing costs two grand, but I for hope 50 the, uh... grand, he will come by and bring it to your house. Okay, first of all, I hope the surprise item is a makeup action figure, because the non-makeup yeah. one sounds disturbing. And as for, can you we, can we pay him 50 grand to not come to your house? Is that possible? You can pay 25 grand uh, to get an executive producer credit, uh, get exclusive studio time with Simmons and access <laughs> to unreleased recordings. But uh, no, I think the two grand, uh, he's unlikely to come to your house. It, no promises there. But it's definitely not perfect. Nobody is going to buy this. this. Yeah, no one's going to buy this. Even like the unreleased recordings. It's like, what? This is music that didn't make like the album Lick It Up or Psycho (laughs) Circus. 150 (laughs) of them. Oh, sure. They're like golden cuts. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, did you watch the video of him like hawking this? No, it's depressing. (laughs) It's depressing. It's shot really badly. And it's him in like his office. And he's not even like pitching up. He's not like, hey, everybody, I've, I've got lots of things. He's like, well, you can get the box set and I'll bring it to your house and it has 150 release songs like, he, he's just monotone yeah because he's so fucking like his energy is gone like, like, like his, <laughs> yeah he's, he's, he's melting li- as he's a, a human living being. monster yeah he really is he's doing that thing where he's like still dyeing the hair and like the makeup's on but like he's just 
melting. He's probably keeping <laughs> something in reserve for more hot takes that he's going to unleash at some point. Ugh. He's been surprisingly quiet as of late. Yeah. Maybe he's because he's working on these 150 unreleased songs, yeah, of as course, well as mastering yeah. them all. He's been hand-binding those photo albums. He's a very depressing guy. I don't like him. Uh, Get him off my show. I don't like him. <laughs> And uh, while we stay uh, with rockers, uh, outspoken rockers at that, Marlon Manson uh, claims that Justin Bieber said to him that he was making Manson relevant again. Uh, this, of course, when he was kind of repurposing t-shirts for fashion purposes. Business of fashion, you might say. Business of fashion, indeed. We had 200 fucking bucks a pop. That was decent business. Okay, so, right, I, I like Marilyn Manson quite a lot, and I have often find myself kind of defending Justin Bieber to a degree. But Bieber does not come off well here at no. all. Yeah, essentially, they he bumped into him at a party or something, and he was wearing the shirt with Marilyn Manson on it, and he said, I made you relevant again. I love Manson going, bad mistake to say that to me. Uh, he was a real piece of shit in the way he had the arrogance to say that. He was a real touchy-feely guy, too. Like, yeah. yo, bro, and touching me when, when he was talking. Uh, I, I feel like I know exactly <laughs> what he's talking about as well, in terms can of see that it. kind of arrogant prick that's like, uh, invading your personal space. and To Marilyn Manson. <laughs> <laughs> Pick your battles. <laughs> uh, I love that Manson goes, uh, he goes, the next day I told him I'd be at a sound check at the Staples Centre to do The Beautiful People. Uh, he goes, Manson says that he'd been joking that Bieber believed I'd show up because he was that stupid. <laughs> Manson also said that he took all of the proceeds from the repurposed shirts. So they didn't even fight. They were like, yeah, yeah, we fucked up. Here's the money. <laughs> so. I mean, I will say that that like this is even a story and that he's even being kind of like nicking Marilyn Manson's image is kind of cool still. So it's kind of still a bit of a win for Bieber, right? A little bit, but you kind of feel like he should have been a little bit more of res- course, he, respectful yeah, of, of course. his elder statesman. Yeah, got the elders. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and as well, that didn't just complete complete copyright infringement by taking the t-shirts and then having to give all his proceeds away. That wasn't the best move either. You gotta presume some yes-man in his group was like, oh, it'll be fine. I'm sure they went through everything and was like, we'll lose all the money on this, but it'll be worth it for the stories. I don't know. Yeah, perhaps. I guess now is as good a time as any to ask you, fine young gentleman, where do you both stand on Marilyn Manson? I mean, (laughs) he's grand, like. Loved the last album. Does he have new material coming out? He does have new material coming out. As a matter of fact, the 6th of October marks the release of his new album. It's called Heaven Upside Down. It's been delayed for quite some time, but we got the first cut of it this week. And is the first cut the deepest? It might be. Here it is. Well, that's a cold cup of coffee from Brian Warner. That is, we know where you fucking live, and it's uh, quite the number, guys. <laughs> yeah, um, as I said, I loved the last record. Uh, I really enjoy like him in the kind of glam, enjoying himself mode, and also being a bit more personal and moving away from the oh, I'm Marlon Manson, scary monster dude. This I had high hopes for up until the chorus. <gasps> And then I just thought, I have heard this chorus a million times before from Marla Manson. It was a bit rote. Like, it was a bit distorted, bluesy riff. I think it was mainly the riff. And then it just from there, it went down a bit. I was it, I was enjoying the lead up, but... I tend to, I tend to agree yeah. broadly, yeah. I mean, like, at least, though, with this, like, you know, 
it's called we know where you fucking live it's like it's self-aware yeah in, in that sense yeah. like i did enjoy the build-up but wrote i mean is a word that one might use here and like it's not necessarily a bad thing and it's certainly not like he's churning out consistently bad material in this but i mean put it this way this could have been the sting music for wwe smackdown yeah, 18 years ago when they went with beautiful people instead it's a bit too obvious that's not that's, to, yeah. to say the beautiful people isn't a great song that's not to say that this isn't a good song in itself but you do feel like hang on we've been here before sure we have yeah no we definitely have that's fair uh, I think it's great and when that chorus hit I got a fucking giant Cheshire Cat grim when I first really? heard it oh yeah because I was just like oh no he's just doing something that he can do in his sleep like. yeah but I, I've been waiting two and a half years for new Marlon Manson and I'm happy to just hear him sounding good and okay. he does sound good and to be fair it's a it's a lead single you know like I mean you're going to hit that chorus and you want it to be impactful I wasn't expecting this necessarily the last record does have a bit more kind of you know I guess like What's the word here? I'm not looking for meandering, Craig. Help me out here. What do you mean? Well, the song's kind of more complex, I suppose. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, then you have a song like Deep Six, and the chorus of Deep Six is very similar to this. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, like, yeah, it's a Manson chorus in terms of, like, a Manson chorus by numbers, but, like, He's really fucking good at it, and, sure. and it's I, a first shot. Like it's it's like I know, thought this was great. Stuff. I reread it. Uh, yeah, I don't want twelve of these yeah. on the record, yeah, yeah. but I mean, like I I was very impressed by it. I thought it was really full of attitude and very aggressive. I don't agree with uh, our friend of the show, Dave Higgins, who described it as like a Union Underground song. Who also uh, <laughs> soundtracked the intro to a WWE show back in the day go. with uh, Raw. But uh, no, I loved it. I, I thought it was great. Now, granted, I mean, like you know, I'm a fan. I'm, I, I, I think Marilyn Manson is actually highly underrated as a songwriter, as a lyricist, as a personality. I, I think a lot of people don't look past the image and tend to dismiss him. And I think he's actually really fucking good. I, I, I think you're kind of right there. I, th- I think he is underrated because people can't see past the image. I think, unfortunately, though, part of the problem is that on the other end of the spectrum, well, he really plays up to it. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you also <laughs> have people who hold him up as being this sort of like genre-defining auteur or whatever when he's probably slightly short of that as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the truth is in the middle, basically. Yeah, yeah very I wouldn't go that so, far. Yeah. I, mean, like, I mean, he's very like, clear with his influences and, I mean, like, you know, you wouldn't call him the most innovative guy out there, but he he's very consistent and, I mean, I put together a playlist and today. And he, he understands his strengths Completely, a lot. Yeah. And you can even hear it here, like, he knows that he has this particular vocal tone that can make him very intriguing and interesting rather than just, like, a cartoon menace. Yeah, I mean, how do we feel like lyrically on this? Because it was a bit, it was a bit cartoonish, or just I don't know. Well, I didn't, I didn't feel like he was saying anything that was particularly that he hasn't, insightful. He hasn't said or, yeah. yeah, and even as recently as the Paler, and even a track like "Killing Strangers," which is a phenomenal opener to any album I've ever heard, and that's you know kind of about war and the military, and you know just the fucking casual. Uh, loss of life yeah. and he's kind of doing that here even like you know the the video on YouTube is like uh, like of a satellite drone imagery or whatever yeah. Like, yeah so it's like we know what he's talking about and you're probably going to get a bit more of that on this record I mean like you know like he released a teaser for it last year and it was clearly a shot at uh, the President of the United States at the moment so yeah I mean he's not going too far outside the box here but I think it's more a case of like he sounds fight and fit, and I'm I'm happy with that. I do think though, like down the years, I mean, like like he has been incredibly consistent with only the odd dud here and there. Uh, I think he's well worth checking out if you never have before. Jump past that image and give the songs a go because he's a talented, talented man. But let's keep it rocking, boys. <laughs> let's indeed back <laughs> once again. It's Black Rebel Motorcycle Club.
That's Little Thing Gone Wild. And do you reckon if Black Rail Motorcycle Club were told you can't use the word or the theme love in any of your songs going forward, they'd be in a bit of trouble? They might be, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, th- I feel like they've they've decided we're very good at this one particular thing and let's just ride it into the sunset. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I was saying with the last track where you're kind of like, oh, this is just Marilyn Manson being Marilyn Manson. This very much even more so where instantly from that fuzzy kind of you know bassy guitar you're just like oh yeah <laughs> the lads the lads <laughs> yeah. the lads have another song <laughs> well it's funny um, that like Cullen mentioned like you know WWE there because this to me is what would work well as like either a pay-per-view kind of theme song it would work well as like the like in a TV show where someone walks in and there's a barroom brawl yeah. or like the end of a trailer for like a late 90s sexy thriller I quite agree, and part of the reason is because this is quite formulaic, and it's, like, not only that, but that is kind of a doubly damaging thing for this track, which seems to trade on a kind of an edgy, slightly dodgy atmosphere, Sure, you know, that, like, you know, it's slightly unnerving and it's menacing and blah, blah, and then there's no payoff. Like, surely that only works if there is something that's going to grab you or shock you somewhere along the line particularly with the fact that there's no real chorus or any kind of lift you're just like in that kind of it's also telegraphed like it very much is yeah and I mean they've been going for so long at this point like I think next year is their 20th year anniversary which is terrifying yeah Jesus Um, started with a couple of members um, kind of like an offshoot of uh, the Brian Jones Home Massacre and I think just yeah very I don't want to say meat and like two veg rock, but they are a bit. No, aren't there's they? a bit of that, yeah. Also, it's just me, or the guitar is just too high in the mix here. It's like I found them, yeah, I found them kind of like squealing away over Let's try and say something positive. It's far from a bad song. Oh, no, it's also, I like they're good at what the, they do. Yeah. I quite like the brevity. It's like, you know, it's very kind of in out, job done, cause a bit of a car crash, and then go. They're one of those weird ones where, you know, every record there'll be a couple of kind of, you know, if not totally acoustic, at least, you know, slow burners or even ballads. And they really excel at that. Well, like, actually, really yeah, at, like, you're right. Type songs. I remember like back in the Hot Press days, I remember reviewing their album Spectre at the Feast. Yeah. And it opens up with a track called Firewalker. Yeah. Which, of course, you know, does have its own Twin Peaks thing going on. And that's a fantastic slow burning yeah. song. It's a, it's a fucking gem. Like, but, you know, I guess they're more known for these kind of quick... Uh, riff ready numbers I mean it's interesting I mean they're one of those bands that like they have an audience I guess it's that thing of like you know you liken it to like genre fiction writers where the audience wants same but different every time Yeah, yeah, and it's like cool you know there's the album it does what it does and they didn't venture too far out the comfort zone and that's fine for me so if that's what you want that's what you got alright let's give our audience something entirely different now uh, we talked about Xenomania producing for uh, Molly King last week. This week, it's their turn for Nadine Coyle. She's back with a song called Go to Work. Let's have a listen. Yes, the former Girls Allowed, former almost Pop Stars Ireland member of Six. If only it wasn't she for that. forgot when she was born. Dodgy passport. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, yeah. She's returned with this track. This ode to capitalism, you mean? <laughs> uh, yeah. It's very strange. Do you know what? This genre of like pop songs where it's just basically imploring people to work harder. This has been going on for a few years now, and I'm like, I don't <laughs> Do you quite think understand what's happening. Ivan et Niage sort of <laughs> It's a super bit, like, yeah. messaging. It was that Britney one, and like, there's been a lot of those kind of Rihanna songs. and Drake work, work, work. Yeah. work. No, we're not in Fifth Harmony. Oh shit! You this see, is here, the thing. Here's I'm the thing. Okay. Getting suspicious. Num- number one, work. Just you know, like it can have a sort of a second meaning. It what can do you know? be metaphorical in some way. No, but you, what this do you mean? Thing. This doesn't. This legitimately seems to be imploring someone to get gainful employment. Yeah, this is like I want my deadbeat boyfriend to bring home the bacon. And this is the thing you see. If this was done with, like, remember when Lily Allen used to make songs like that? It used to be kind of snarky. Sort of, you know, like your yeah. shit in bed or... References um, to her brother being a stoner before he was in Game of Thrones. Yeah, all this sort of shit. You know, <laughs> he like, might still be a stoner, I don't yeah, know. Or, or, I mean, like, like, you know, like Kate Nash did that for a bit, albeit all far less successful. It's all you know, horrible but, memories coming up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that was, that was the sort of approach of these sort of like, you know, sassy, snarky things. Sure. Not like polished disco anthems. It's not just polished. that sort of bizarre... Well, what, what was the one out of Mystique? Alicia Dixon. Alicia Dixon that, yeah. bit, I feel like one of her Xenomania songs was this. It was that team, and it was like maybe done slightly better because she think had you're a, right. more of a personality. Yeah, yeah, I, carry cool, it. Like, yeah I think you're I right. don't think Nadine Coyle can. I, I She can't really carry a big pop song, I don't think. Well, her voice doesn't sound like her at all. I never mm. heard this voice in Girls Aloud, and, I, and I'm a Girls Aloud fan. I thought they were great. No, I know that she doesn't sound like herself when she sings, so to speak. She sounds like she's trying for like some kind of weird, like American, like soul singer thing. But she a, a, a sounds parts? like she should be on a cruise. Ship, well, I mean, like there, there is also that, like that bit. <laughs> it's probably coming. There is also that, like you know, up in the morning bit, like in the bridge, which is like note for note, it's Rihanna shine bright like a diamond. Like sure. there's no doubt that she's kind of trying to follow in footsteps here. The problem, though, is not only with her, but like the song itself. No, it's trying to follow in the footsteps of like. Clean bandit or something. Yeah, because you're saying four years you were ago. Saying, this is so dated. So dated. You were saying yeah. polished disco, but like our old friend Tropical House is all over this as well. Oh sure, of course. <laughs> it's our, our old pal Tropical House. Yeah. <laughs> her her first kind of solo record. Am I wrong in thinking that there was a big story around the time of oh, like how crashed few and burned? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and there was some tie-in with Tesco, which there was, just seemed like yeah, yeah. yeah it's that's very right. like Tesco brand pop. It's interesting yeah. that she's even getting this comeback and that Xenomania are yeah. involved. But between this and the Molly King song, I'm starting to doubt them. Like, these are okay, but they're no more than... They they the, Molly, the Molly King one has grown on me ever oh, so slightly in the week. Oh, come on, man. No, I'll, I'll, hey, Dahi said it, man. Na 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 is right. Yeah, but you know what? Like, <laughs> it, It's just, it's so busy, you see, that like once you can kind of just... like Once you've heard enough to cut through it, you're like, okay, there's something here. I but, figure uh, if you're out of your fucking mind at two o'clock in the morning in the club, it won't matter which one of those songs is playing. You're going to let your hair down? Well, sure, why not? I've, I've already taken enough drugs to get there, so <laughs> in this weird analogy that I'm trying to form together, let's have another song. That was Zane and Sia. 
with a song that sounds like Zayn and Sia. Yeah. Um, I still hold out hope for Zayn. I really do. And it's maybe it's partly because I was actually reminded while listening to this that like as soon as the song ended on my Spotify, I went into Before, which is one of the better tracks on his uh, Mind of Mine bloated debut record. But they, this ain't great, is it? No, it's not. And while I do hold out hope for him, it's kind of diminishing by the day, to be perfectly honest. Uh, there's something very weekendish. I thought, about this track. Um, sure, yeah, and, yeah. And, and there's something increasingly weekendish about Zayn himself, who seems to be banking on that sort of combination of mystery and sex appeal to sort of drive his persona. And yeah, yeah. The reason why I worry in particular is that, as we saw with the last weekend record, he probably finds himself far more interesting than anybody else does. Yeah, I think maybe you're being a little harsh on this. I mean, I definitely thought it was more interesting than anything on like like that we've heard from him thus far. Um, I liked his voice on it. Like he does have a great voice. He does have a great when voice. when he can kind of mix it up a bit. Like I'm intrigued. Um, He's good on that track with Taylor Swift from the uh, Fifty Shades of Shades sure. sequel soundtrack. But yeah, it is a problem that he can't really stamp his authority on a song, I think. And it just becomes, oh, it's a Sia song. Yeah, yeah. and you know what? That's the other thing. Yeah, if you can't stamp your authority, do not get Sia in yeah, on the chorus. Because it just because, becomes like, she's cookie the, cutter. She's probably yeah. got the most unique voice in pop, or certainly one of them right now. Like, if you haven't sort of built everything up as solid as can be before she gets involved, then, sorry, like, she's literally just going to steal the show. Yeah. But I feel like it's a totally fine pop song. Like, I think it actually works. It's it's well written. I just think it's our expectations. We're hoping for more from him. We've heard better from her. So we're kind of like in this weird limbo. But I think it's actually an okay song. No, it's, it, a, it's it an is. Effort. No, it is a good effort. Yeah. And it does have that kind of ladder system that a lot of Sia songs have. But I'm just a little bit sick of climbing that ladder. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Because she kind of has that certain way of, of of jumping those kind of connecting points together, and they're very good. And you know, her vocals are obviously powerful enough to to make those leaps. But we've heard it before. I mean, if you guys have the problem with the Manson song, it's similar here. And as much as it's like, well, we're not hearing anything new, uh, but he is good in it. And you know, I I I hope this isn't on his second record though. I hope it's just a one off because he's had a few one offs, and like, yeah. and that to me is like he's still finding his feet, and he's still kind of like stretching out his range and everything like that. So I hope he goes away and like really kind of just cuts to the quick and starts writing a bit better but yeah I mean you know so far not bad and we hold it up yeah indeed and finally let's bring the room down shall we <laughs> he's back the academy award winning Sam Smith so I'm never gonna get too close to you even when I mean the most to you in case you go and leave me in the dark but every time you hurt me the less that I cry Good moment to make use of our new automatic lighting here in studio. Oh, oh yeah. The mood. Well, I do it. Very much enjoying it. Lights down, please, Dave. Okay. Oh, God, no. Oh, He's no, made it really cold oh, yeah. now. No, I, I, I hit left. We, uh, got, we got these snazzy new futuristic lights in the studio. We're very excited about it, to be uh, I've been, honest. I've been playing with them quite a bit. So I brought the lights down. Okay, so it's, it's, it's all the way down there. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, Sam Smith. Yeah, he's he's back. Uh, Too good at good boys is the first single from his forthcoming uh, second album. Second album. 
Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. No Only way. a second, yeah. Come on. Yeah, it's been three years, I think, since what, In the Lonely Hour? I genuinely um, would have thought he's on album three or four. But no, no. Nope. Nope. Whoa. Just, yeah. Um, okay. He's been away for a while. Obviously, we had, you know, Spectre mm-hmm. and all of that. He shouldn't have won that Oscar anyway, but the fact that it beat The weekend Earned It was actually criminal. Because Earned It's a fucking masterpiece. Yeah, yeah I, I really... God, I despaired when I was like, oh, he's back. Doing exactly what you expect, this, and oh just man. this kind of like balladry. He is like he's trying to be the male Adele. Adele, oh, one hundred, but without any of the kind of you know yeah. stuff that she brings to the table. <sighs> but like, like that's exactly what I've got written down here. Like, yeah, the male Adele. It is. Yeah. It is like good voice, but just like nothing interesting, nothing particularly inspiring, and more to the point, a, a seemingly. A, a determination to just go back to that same well again and again, which is why any reasonable person's interest in Adele seems to have gone downhill yeah. by the fact that album two and three have just been following the exact same pattern. And like, you know, like this song opens with a lyric along the lines of, um, you must think I'm new to this, but I've seen this all before. And you're like, you're fucking telling me, yeah, Sam. Jesus We've heard this all before because you've made this song about five times on your previous record. I also don't believe him. Like I don't, I don't buy into his personality. I don't think he cares about what he's singing. I don't think he has anything to say. Like maybe that's just me. Um, but yeah, I don't. I... He's another one of those artists as well, where I think that if you don't care about him, yeah. his music's going to do very little to yeah, join. Well, that's well summed up there because I was going to say I find it very difficult to separate the art from the artist in this case. And unfortunately, the artist is a bit of a burke, and you know I find it difficult not to apply that to his tunes because I just kind of feel like this guy is very much in love with the sound of his own voice. Oh, yes, and thus yeah. he expects us to be in love with the sound of his own voice, and thus he treats us, you know, quote unquote, to these vocal gymnastics, and that's all it is. Isn't it does it? nothing to the guy. Yeah, clearly has you know a set of pipes on him, but at the same time. Is it really int- is it interesting to listen to? Not really. No. And the songs kind of follow this kind of wishy washy up and down pattern. The subject matter as well. I he could be singing about a fridge, and I'd yeah. be like, you know, I don't care. Like I just don't buy it. I, he's got no conviction, and at least it was short, I suppose. <laughs> good, good job. What yeah. a great review. At least it was short. Yeah, like it's it's short, and it's also like a simple idea. But it's even that, like, like he can't even really execute that because you have this obviously you know opening piano thing which you're expecting. But then, like, a certain amount of drums come in, don't work whatsoever with song, add nothing to it. As Dave, as you said, I mean, his vocals, he'll just pick the most random points to suddenly be like, I'm now going to show off a bit. And it's not doing anything to help the song. So it's just like, what's the point? On last week's review of Electric Picnic, we mentioned the headlines being made by uh, the story of Hip Hop Show that got rave reviews, had everyone talking over the weekend. Uh, one of the men involved in that is joining us right now. Uh, welcome to the studio, Mango. How's it going? Ow! Ow! Air horns, air horns plenty, please. <laughs> Car bombs and all. How the hell are you, man? Are you busy? Um, seem yeah. like you're very busy after this I'm very morning. busy. I'm very busy. I'm good busy. You know what I mean? I'm good busy. So. I mean, obviously, like we say, that show uh, last weekend, or two weekends ago now, like, kind of seemed to catch the imagination, so yeah. to speak. Like, did you have an idea going in? No. Um, the, I got I got a phone call from um, the guy I make music with, Matt Man. He also works in RT, and he, he was creative director behind that. So he, he just called me and said, look, remember the Jenny Green thing we did last year? We're doing hip-hop. And I was like, deadly. Uh, he says, do you want to do it? I was like, obviously, absolutely. It's fucking orchestra, like, you know, rappers. 
never get to go near orchestras. Uh, you know, you know, musicians barely get to, you know, singers get to play with orchestras. Yeah. So to do that, and as well with rappers, you never get to do the classics. You never get to do covers. It's very not a thing you do. But if it's done in a way like that, it's kind of accepted. So, yeah, I just got involved that way. And luckily it was me and three of my friends on stage as well, which is brilliant, you know. Yeah, so it was you, Eric Cody, Jafaris and, and Jess, Jess Calf, Calf, Yeah, right. I mean, it's interesting that you said that you, like, you were so eager to do covers because I was wondering if there would be a, like just a little bit of annoyance almost that like as you look for more coverage and more acceptance of Irish hip-hop, mm. the most talked about Irish hip-hop gig, like, in years, probably, yeah, yeah. was, was yeah, yeah, Dr. Dre songs. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, I think as well, what the good thing about it is, is that it shows that for years, especially in Irish media, it's been like hip hop. Oh, we don't like that over here. Yeah. Do you know where you know I can now turn around and say, well, I know fourteen thousand people who fucking say different. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And one of the the things that when I was asked was I going to do it was. Uh, I, well, one thing I said that I wouldn't do if I was going to do it was I'm not going to put on a fake accent so I went out I rapped it my own way and in fact one of my a guy I know he actually texted me one of my friends he texted me he said it was amazing to see that music in that stage in my own accent and you know there was tricolours on stage and it was felt very Irish as it was so I think yeah you know would I have rather that my solo show you bet your bollocks I would <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know, I think that can show that, you know, Ireland is actually like, no, like these records are 20, 25 years old. Some of them are nearly 40 years old. And to be told that the Irish public has no clue about them, it's just simply wrong. I just don't think you've been feeding an appetite for it. And, and is, it, is it kind of like a, like the media playing catch up to a large extent? Like it's actually moved into the mainstream in terms of the listeners and people are like, oh, actually, Irish hip hop now is a legit thing, but there's just no coverage really. Um, yeah, no, like, I mean, the, the coverage is coming now because people are, are making themselves more sellable. Forcing, yeah. Yeah, you know, like, I mean, it's always been there. There's always been amazing talent. I don't think people knew how to package themselves properly. I don't think people knew how to write a fucking pre- press release. There was just, a whack this up in SoundCloud, tag 40 of my mates on Facebook and see how well it goes. And yeah. That didn't really get anybody anywhere unless you are really, really into it. Um, also as well, the changing attitude of like, when I was growing up rapping, uh, it was kind of like, oh, you rap? What's that? Like, who do you think you are? Oh, you do the 50 cent. And then they do the hands thing. <laughs> you know, oh, you, you rap? And you're like, what? Uh, but like, if I said I play football, nobody would be like fake kicking a football. Be like, oh, you think you're a footballer? It is. It's like, dude, obviously, cool. Uh, like, nobody do that with a violin. Like, oh, yeah. you th- think you can play the violin in an orchestra? So uh, I think it's just an acceptance now of young fellas just being like, yeah, I rap, so what? Because the what happened i think what really helped us is people accepting english rap sure sure yeah because that was like okay they're not american mm. uh me and my friends were dead boy of english rap and grime for years but it also went okay well there's a, a different accent but it's as respected it they they look and sound exactly like us and also i think in the last couple of years there's a difference in the irish psyche of more supporting of irish things and irish people do you know what I mean? People are looking at like the rubber bandits doing what they do or, you know, pages like Humans of the Sesh, this memification of like Irish life of like boxes of amber leaves and bags of cans is all of a sudden our lexicon yeah. where it used to be lads making fucking family guy jokes. Do you know what I mean? Now sure. it's kind of like, you know, especially, you know, you have people like Conor McGregor all of a sudden sounding like me on the biggest world stage on ESPN. 
you know, holding the tricolor and people are kind of going, it's that post-recession kind of like, we are worth something. And then, you know, as, that as well with good music. I think it's just a natural combination of a couple of forces. You How know? much of that like comes down to having something to actually write about? Because I remember like when we, when we were in Hot Press, I remember like yeah, Stuart Clark like actually was very trying to push into the magazine. Like you know, he like he'd always heard to like the nascent Irish hip hop scene hmm. himself and like Maeve Heslin were always trying to like go out there and like find like you know like, like people like to write about like Little Dialect and so on. And yes, yeah. he changed the name back to he's, like, he's using his real name, now, isn't he? Yeah, um, Paul Alright, Yeah, but like I remember, I remember even then it was like you know we we be looking at what was being written about and I think you know the quality wasn't fully there but no. I think in the last five years it has improved but I mean like from your point of view I mean like you know especially you don't want to sing in your own or you, you want to sing in your own accent you don't yes. want to fake it so like when it comes to like it, like does it matter kind of like where you come from and like what you have to write about like, I mean like, like no 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 I, I, and I've said this like a couple of times and the first record that I actually ever made was with uh, a guy called Fats he works at Jazz FM in London now uh, but he was from Fox Rock and he wasn't putting an American accent on. He wasn't talking, are you hell in the tracks? He was like, I'm from Fox Rock, but I got bars. And everybody was like, yeah, totally. Where, you know, I don't think it should be about where you're from and you have to talk about a certain thing. I know people from like very rough backgrounds who rap and do not rap, rap about that in any shape or form. Right. So it, I, like, it's like to accept me doing it in my accent and, and if I was to take it away from the Bronx or you know California or, the, or Atlanta it's the same way as it would be like kind of like I don't know ironic for me to turn around and say oh you can't rap because you're not from a certain part of the sea yeah, sure. of course, or you're not from Ireland you know it's like yeah okay it doesn't matter like I think people are now you know we've got rappers making love songs in Ireland but like not cheesy kind of like let's hit the charts with this kind of actually talking about relationships or talking about mental health mm. or talking about what's going on in the street and not kind of a yeah no loads of drug dealers yeah you get clipped around here kind of like <laughs> this is kind of fucked that we live in this day sure do you know what I mean so I think there's more people getting a bit adventurous I don't think I think if you're good at rapping it doesn't matter what you got to say. Yeah. If you can make a decent song, do you know what I mean? Not that you're ever going to pigeonhole yourself here, but yes. do you feel a responsibility to talk about that some of those things um, or would you avoid them yeah, intentionally? Or yeah, no, I was, I was kind of talking about this with my mates the other night and I was kind of like, if I do this, then I might get, you know, I might get tired as, you know, the, the social fucking justice, like this isn't wrong, but mm. at the end of the day, it winds me up so much. <laughs> Sure. And I've got, and now I have to accept that I do have a voice, and I, there's a responsibility with that voice. And I don't think the people who support me in what I do now could truly support me if I didn't mention it in some way. The three records that I've released have been kind of very bravado, grime records. Both, you know, I did that poem Bread and Butter, and everybody kind of went, "Oh shit, that's he's not just making one forty kind of grime records. Yeah, he's yeah, talking yeah. about, you know, the Eighth Amendment. He's talking about people, you know, dying on doorsteps." That kind of shit. I think I can't live in Ireland without talking about it because there's a lot of shit that's fucked up and it's a lot of shit that's swept under the rug. And I think especially as rappers, especially in knowing, if you know your history of this culture, you know that that is something you should talk about. You shouldn't be chained to it, but I feel like if you don't, then what are you doing it for? I think it's Do the other thing, I mean? like the history of the culture will tell you is that there's always been like kind of a parochialism of sorts in hip hop. Yes. That like, you know, you're from a certain city or you're from mm -hmm. this coast or whatever and so you represent. Yes. And so, well, it's, all, Fingless, it's all about, yeah. He's got to be representing Fingers, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, if he, or if he's from Fox Rock, he's got to be from, you know, like, yeah, Rhys like, from Limerick exactly, or whatever, you yeah, know. Yeah, but, yeah, it's like, you know, 
how could I rap about what life is life like in Limerick mm. or Clare? But Russ and Gano can tell me that. So I think what you know is your unique selling point as as an Irish rapper is not just your own accent and our own weird lexicon, but also kind of like our life experiences, especially of people maybe my generation who got really fucked over in the last recession to kind of say, right, we got to we got to talk about something like this. But I feel like I can make a club record because as much as I hate everything that's going on I still go out on Friday night and get on, go on the lash with my mates so <laughs> you know or I still will fall over the gale so I can still write about that but I think it bleeds through I don't think there's political songs and there's not political songs that I would make but I think even in the non kind of like socially aware or conscious as they, as they call it it is because it's informed by that do you yeah. know that way yeah so Musically, a lot of what you do is in the hands of Mathman. You mentioned him earlier. Absolutely. Uh, you guys go back. You were Way in back a crew together. Like... Hairline. <laughs> <laughs> Only messing with that. I've actually got a grand hairline. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with receding voice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's got like a high forehead, but like it's it's symmetrical. Five heads, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you and Adam, yeah, you go way back, right? Yes. Um, but you took a little time apart or whatever. Like you were yeah, in the animators yeah, yeah, together, yeah. and then that split. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, yeah, yeah. Paths crossed again? Yeah, well, I, I, to be honest, I've found the kindred spirit, not just musically, but also just as a mate, as a as a bigger brother, as, you know, someone you can, you know, you meet a couple of people in your life where you're like, yeah, do you know what? Through thick and thin, shit and good times, they're always going to be on me. Um, so after the animators broke up, you know, we just, we just needed time. Like, it was seeing each other two, three times a week for, you know, five years and, doing the same thing. There was a lot of headaches at the end and there was a lot of bollocks going on at the end. Not between me and him. But I remember when the band broke up, we were, you know, divvying all the money together. And I was kind of cool with all the boys, so I collected all the money and I doled it out to everybody. And he had some dough and he came into my job and he handed me and I was like, because we talked about doing a solo record before. And uh, I says, here, listen, we still go for that casual work thing. And he was like, absolutely no doubt. And I was like, Phew. <laughs> I mean beats of his caliber that he just sends to me so um, yeah we, we needed time apart but like when we got back at it I mean one thing that kind of wrecks my head is that everybody's like oh Mango's music Mango's music he is f as equally important to not only the sound of me but the trajectory that we're going in the plan of what we're doing you know it's a lot of it, great ideas that were com come from him as well as myself you know lyrically I get the as always the rapper always gets the shine mm -hmm. and the producer gets the tag on the beat where he has been like not to sound too soppy or anything but he's like he's like been life changing to be honest yeah. Yeah. you know like I'm playing massive shows now or I'm playing like stuff that people are losing their mind to with these records and what people sometimes get with beat makers is an email mm -hmm. hold that beat do your thing He's in the studio with me going, no, no, we need this. What about her for a singer? Or redo this part. Or, you know, he would never tell me to change lyrics, but he's like, this needs this record or this record isn't working. So he's a producer, but also, you know, just a, a me. So. You mentioned the project yourself there, Casual Work. <laughs> the uh, dreaded one, yes. Well, no, yeah, because I'm, I'm actually interested in calling that from the start. Like, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, because just about everything that you read with you in the past two or three years casual ends work. with Casual Work. Casual Work, so I'm not going to put you on the spot, yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. but but what are you working on right now? Uh, well, we have we have the, we have the guts of it done. We were rushing to kind of get it done to get all the festivals in the summer, and then 
we got all the festivals in the summer. <laughs> so we were like, do you know what? Let's take a bit of time back here. Um, let's look at what, what's working live and what's not and what we decided was we were going to probably drop uh, a little EP, a little four or five track EP beforehand um, we'll knock out some videos but casual work is it's very it's very important to me the, the whole concept of it not the concept of the album the whole concept of the, the, the debut album this is me now proving myself alone I had to take a lot of time to learn how to write full songs or how to write conceptually or how to write a full album conceptually where I used to go in smoke half a joint drop 16 bars maybe help out in the hook and it was good money and then live it was grand where now all I gotta do is you know like now I have to go in I have to fully form ideas and is this gonna fit in my album and stuff like that so I wanted to take time with it the name Casual Work was gonna be I think it's always fitted what we were doing but it was about, that was kind of relating to a song that I had that is no longer on the album so it's like casual work is it's on a, a couple of levels of things of you know lads on work shirts you know my, my generation working three days a week and collecting the rest or the fact that I now have jobs and I can't do I can't just like stop working and become a rapper so th the rap has now become the casual work and yeah I don't know I just like casual clothes stuff like that yeah listen well, before we get to that uh, which we <laughs> oh, will shit. get to I actually just want to ask I, I did see you mention on Twitter you did say like you know coming back from the picnic thing and then like putting on a name tag and going to work was a really surreal experience yeah like like were you like I, I, I would have taken the day off I would have been like fuck this <laughs> oh, no, I'm not no, going no, in no 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 it took the Monday off yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was raw off actually, I had to go to it I had to go to a music video uh, for Rebel Phoenix and he was like, oh, you know, like it was a very kind of macho tune. Everybody's like, you know, me and mugging the camera and shit like that. And I was like, I was doing my best, but like, God help me, man. I was shaking. And I was like, oh, we're going to do another scene. I was like, do you know what, lads? I'm going home. I'm going to party with me, ma. Like, I'm, in, I'm, I'm in an aircon bundle here. Like, good night and God bless. It is, it is surreal, but like, that's... That's that's you know life as an independent artist. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I gotta do my job. in a hoop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Everyone yeah. pays me a free beer. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's like it is what it is. I mean, there's no shame in any labour, but like I definitely don't want to be doing that anymore. Do you know what I mean? Okay, I won't stand on the way any further. I want one man of fashion, our our resident sartorial whiz, Colin Regan. I think wants to grill you. About your what, best dressed what? rapper in the country? No, tag? It's, Is that it's, like it's the Adidas obsession, man. What? What about? Well, where did it come from? I guess. I I don't, do you know what it was, right? When I grew up, and it's still there, right? Adidas trainers are always cheaper than Air Maxes, right? right? They always are. Now all these new Yeezys and all that shit. Oh, fuck that! Fuck that shit. <laughs> I don't. Do you know, it's for new clothes. No, it's <laughs> new clothes. They're not for me. Yeah. yeah. They're for other people. God, God bless. Do you know what I mean? Some people pay two hundred euro for a pair of boots. Yeah. I'm good <laughs> uh, so when I was growing up I just like I looked at like Adidas right and I was like the things that I'm into Adidas has always been there so I was into like growing up musically I was like alright the rap scene obviously yeah. Adidas yeah. since day dot Manchester scene you know the football casual scenes you know like Dublin street culture is Adidas so I kind of found a kind of connection to it but I don't know, like I just wore it so much as a grown up. All the lads would be like, Oh, here he is, Mr. Blade Naddy Dazzler. So that's where the mango dazzle comes from. But like, you know, I like I like that gear and I think it, it represents me, but like I'm not they're not cutting a check. So <laughs> so like I'll still be wearing a couple of Air Maxes on me. But now if you are then. listening, uh, head absolutely yeah, 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 touch. Do me a favour, you know my name's Hags once 
We can build towards that, I guess. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Coming up, I mean, even since Picnic, you've been confirmed for Metropolis. Yes. I saw you signed up to support the Roos and Gano boys. Yeah, Is it down in my ground in Cork that you're oh, doing that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Cypress Avenue. That's going to be mental. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be wild. That could be a good room. Somebody's head's going to well, blow so. up. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be one lad in the front holding the point and it's going to collapse in his own hand and the blood's going to run down his ears from the energy of that show. And what else do we have to look forward to? <laughs> uh, more tunes, more videos. Uh, I'm going to be playing at um, Make the Move Festival uh, down in Limerick. Um, I've, yeah, I'm going to be a part in a wee little cameo in a big movie that's coming out for Ireland uh, what else just yes yeah, more headline shows support shots work 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 do you know what I mean more tunes well keep it up man thank you very uh, much check in absolutely <laughs> thanks for joining us my pleasure lads once again from Mango Every head on my shoulders at the mum Stay letting them know you're at the mum When they see me, sound the alarms Keep three strips on down my arms Connects from the monarch down to the brine So just know you be one I'm on and I fathers Black tracks with a balaclavas Lobster patterns just for starters Nobody doing it larger Listen, my voice is deep for that white guy Love my vibe, but just know that I might get Boom, boom, down, down with the mic I make God's race go night, night So don't come around here You don't wanna like that man so that was Mango, and now for something completely different. The National are back with their seventh album, it's called Sleep Well Beast, and it's pretty much what you might expect to hear from The National, but if you aren't familiar with them, here's what they sound like. Don't do this, I don't do this to you, don't expect me to enjoy it, cause I really don't have the courage not to turn the volume up inside my Day I Die it's by The National a band that this country has absolutely fallen in love with uh, they're playing a couple of shows as soon as this episode drops and they're completely sold out you're not getting in so essentially The National are a band that I used to be absolutely madly in love with myself I've seen them five times and I kind of got into them around the time when Boxer came out a friend of mine put Mr. November from Alligator on a mix CD and the rest was history mm-hmm. however I did kind of fall out in love with them at a certain point and I'm of the opinion that the last couple of records haven't been terribly up to snuff while not being bad by any stretch of the magic Imagination. This is their seventh record. Now, guys, let me ask you this. I know you're, you're both pretty much as familiar with the band as I am. Is this just another national record with some digital effects in place of some strings and horns? I don't think so. I think that lyrically this is a more mature and more advanced national record than I've heard before. I think lyrically it's a more advanced record than I've heard from most artists, to be honest. I struggle to think of anybody who's managed to sum up the scene before the midlife crisis yeah. quite as well as yeah. this. You know, like, there's a, there's a ton of albums that are the equivalent of, you know, buying a sports car and sleeping with your secretary. Whereas this is that sort of 
resignation and that ennui that actually causes that to happen. And it's just captured so brilliantly here. I agree. I think this is like, you know, Dave, you summed up there the national fatigue. I think we were all feeling a bit, particularly haven't seen them live so much. Um, And the last record did feel a bit like by numbers. But with this, I think it's so well executed. I think the writing is tremendous. And it is that thing where it reminds you why you fell in love with the national. It's because they're so good at exploring those little moments. And yeah, the bits in between the grand gestures and the grand events in your life. Um, really exploring that. Like, like one thing people like to level at the national is like, well, they're just kind of like a hip U2, aren't they? It's like, no, they're not. Yeah. Because they're not doing grand Wait a gestures. Second. Is that a thing? This is totally a thing. Yeah. Have you not heard this I before? I genuinely don't yeah. think I've heard that Very comparison. much so. Yeah. Uh, can you elaborate on that for me? I think it's the kind of the way they've shifted into almost not a stadium sound, but certainly people feel united in this kind of thing of like, well, we're all in this together and they can have the soaring choruses occasionally and maybe a lot of the guitars. But I I definitely think now what they're doing is much more they're, they're mining kind of very pained moments and stuff that isn't like excavated that much. Um and I think in the last couple of records, they haven't been doing that so well, but they're back on form. I mean, I said the very first time that we heard the single from this record that, you know, maybe the time on kind of personal projects and stuff reinvigorated the band a bit. And I think when you hear how it builds musically, even just behind everything that Matt is doing lyrically, musically, it does sound somewhat reinvigorated. Yeah. Somebody mentioned to me recently a way that I hadn't thought of this band an awful lot before, but which was Matt Berninger is kind of an outlier with the band actually being like two pairs of incredibly talented brothers who obviously have this chemistry and this connection that goes even beyond, you know, their sort of musical abilities. And what they're building behind, like what I say is really, really strong introspective writing, for me, the the combination is incredibly potent. Yeah, I I don't disagree with any of that. And I do think that lyrically it's a very interesting point for him and it doesn't sound like he's just kind of going through the same old notebooks. Mm. I particularly like like little details and this one really kind of struck out to me like when he has, um, I think it's on Dark Side of the Gym when he says, um, I'm going to keep you in love with me for a while because mm. that's a line you can take at seven different ways. Like there's a lot going on there. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's really impressive and like that's the kind of thing where it's like is that him being uh, really romantic or is it him being a selfish prick? Or is it him being self-deprecating or It's probably all of the above. There's also the very interesting dimension that, uh, Colm, when you talk about, you know, him being an outlier or, you know, with these pairs of brothers, a lot of the lyrics, apparently a lot of these songs he worked on with his wife. With his wife, yeah. So it's a very strange thing where once you know that, you're thinking, how exactly was this kind of put together? And he's being very, you know, brutally honest at times. He's pointed out, out, you know, that like it worked for Tom Waits. So it it can't be a bad thing. But I think it really helps him because, and like it's funny earlier, we talked about like how you just don't buy Sam Smith. When, yeah. when, when yeah. he's trying to lay it all out there. And there are other artists like that. I rarely buy when Drake is kind of giving a woe is me and you're like, this is not a fair reflection of your life. Whereas here, he appears to be able to like go into, you know, self-doubt and kind of like relative unhappiness and restlessness. And like I say, a real sort of like middle-aged sort of depression of sorts without ever taking the eye off the fact that he's a happily married, globally successful you know, front man of a band. Yeah. There's something incredibly authentic about it that you can really buy it. That, like, 
you believe everything that he says here. Yeah, he's a warm contradiction of a human being, and I guess that's one of the reasons why they are such a communal band. I don't think that they write to necessarily be a communal band, but obviously you see the crowds that flock to them and tend to kind of go into the night holding hands and feeling kind of warm in themselves, despite the fact that some of the subject matter can be extremely melancholic. It's very interesting that they have that kind of juxtaposition, I suppose. Um, Okay, well, let's get some of the negatives out of the way. I think that Turtleneck doesn't quite work. I absolutely agree. It's kind of like this Tinder sticks meets Pixies, like kind of rock, like like fist fight in a bar song. Well, I was also going to say it's not bad, but it's, it's, a, it's also a bit of a throwback to something that you might have found like around Alligator. Sure, it is, but Period. it's also quite out of place on this. Yeah, that's like the, the thing, the, and especially a record that trades on the effectiveness of the smaller details. You're just like, look, like all the nuanced pieces that you were putting together were getting this job done just fine. You don't need to go to technical or suddenly yeah you kind of think maybe they thought okay we have a quota to fill of this will be good live maybe this will get people going it, it it there's a touch of that to it um and there are like a couple of couple of other tracks where you're just like it's maybe the national boy numbers yeah corinne at the liquor store i don't really need to hear him waffling on about dead john cheever i, th- I like that line oh, i actually. thought that was really clunky i don't know what something about it, i just found it very awkward it felt almost oh, like, like he that. desperately needed to rhyme it and he was like uh oh, dead john cheever oh, that'll do um but you know i <laughs> guess I just, it's tiny aside there that song you know like that is his wife's name yes yes he, he said also that he really wanted to put it in the title because since they brought out karen Everybody's assumed that that's how his wife's name is pronounced. Oh, right, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. He was like, right, we're going Corinne this time, we're setting the score. Okay, so he shouldn't be getting divorced after this record, then it should be a, <laughs> a, a renewing of vows, if anything. Um, I struggled a little bit on where to land on this record, I must say, uh, because again, I have that kind of conflicting voice at the back of my head where I'm like, oh man, remember 2007 and Boxer? Like, you know, it's like how. how gorgeous that record felt when you really got into it like you know like like just the individual piano notes and fake empire just always take me back to where i was then and seeing them live and, and all this kind of stuff and then of course i'm doing that thing aren't i where i'm like well don't review what the record isn't you know yeah. review what it is and if i review what it is and i kind of take a couple of points away for the couple of stumbles it does have i gotta say they've really knocked it out of the park on this one in a lot of respects and i think it is those little details look like you don't need me to tell you that the national are really good at world building and terrific at atmosphere but it's nice to hear them kind of reinforce that i suppose because on trouble will find me while i think it's a decent enough record and i think high violet is a good record but i don't think it's as good as everyone says it is i think boxer gets the plaudits that that one you know kind of got in the mainstream presses i think boxer is the superior beast on that one this is definitely the national kind of finding a bit of a second wind in as much as showing you how good they can be and if you surrender to this record and really really go with it you will absolutely be rewarded and I hate to sound like a copy of myself but once again it should be pointed out this is totally a record for headphones and it's very much a record for the autumn as it gets darker and colder yeah, no, and all that kind of that. stuff and a glass of whiskey by the fire it's a perfect yeah. companion for that kind of thing yeah I mean like you know it's it's also really nice to hear because Craig always says well not always but you often say on, <laughs> always saying this never fucking stopping uh, songs of the week you often kind of say look you know I want to judge this single in the context of a bigger picture Yeah, and I often don't necessarily go that way like just the way I kind of consume music it doesn't always really matter to me that way but I guess when that does happen and those you know, the whole picture becomes complete mm. that can be very rewarding and that happened here uh, the likes of uh, The System of My Dreams and Total Darkness, which I liked when it came out. I now love it when it comes along four songs. It's terrific, in. yeah. Um, Guilty Party is 
beautifully placed as well, kind of in the closing kind of quarter of the record. And even something like Day I Die, which, you know, is, again, like you know, it's definitely written to be played live, I suppose, but it just kind of, it gives the record a bit of instant lift and then walk it back, walks it back in beautiful fashion. Yeah. So I think that they've, with the exception of a couple of stumbles, I think they've plotted a really, really beautiful course on this record. Yeah, no, I agree. And it, it's just how well a lot of the elements sort of sit together. There are certain songs where, you know, like there's a little bit of an electronic thing going on and, you know, sparse strings. But just to build them into something that is so atmospheric and so powerful. Walk It Back has like that kind of sample from, I guess, I don't know what's from. Oh, yeah, the speech. Yeah, it's from Lisa Hannigan, like just quoting or paraphrasing. Okay, um, I guess it probably was here due to the Carol Rose. Rice Desner right, connection yeah. or Aaron Desner connection, um, and it really works. But what really works there is, is that guitar line yeah. is just yeah, yeah. beautiful. And you, again, you could say like, "Hey, look, that's the National doing the U two thing of like you know a signature guitar line," but they deploy it so well, uh, yeah. and it's 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 just so reassuring when yeah. it comes in. There's something really reassuring about that line, that that guitar line just kind of sweeping you away. I talked before about. In fact, I mentioned last week about how Mogwai's soundtrack work had seemingly affected uh, Every Country's Sons. I think here you've got soundtrack work, which both I think the Desners and the Devendors got stuck into during yeah. the time away. I think you can hear it and hear it really, really, really working. Yeah, uh, there's, a, you know, even with that sonic aesthetic, there's a overall feeling of like a sense of purpose to everything they're doing. And mm-hmm. that feeds into the thing of like, there's a bigger picture and the songs fit into that and the kind of adds to each other. Whereas I felt like the last record was a bit like, well, we have some pretty national sounding melodies and some, you know, decent lyrics. This feels like everything has been hung together beautifully to make a real point and make a real kind of statement. Um and yeah, it's it's gorgeous. Yep, and I'm actually really annoyed that I didn't get a ticket to their shows. I really like, like now <laughs> yeah, I really want to go. Yeah, yeah. Well. Uh, like gold just doesn't sum it up, man. I think <sighs> it, like what like Vicker Street, <laughs> yeah. the Opera House. This is a band that plays like Ivy Gardens and the Marquee when they normally play Dublin Cork. So yeah, yeah. Well, look, I've seen them five times, so I can't really complain. <laughs> and I'll see them again, and I and I will see them again, and I look forward to seeing them again because this record's kind of brought me back a little bit. So uh, it's a seven point five for me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to revisiting this album too because I think because it's not you know overly dramatic because it's not sort of caterwauling sadness or whatever yeah it's quite subdued i imagine it's going to age beautifully uh it's an eight for me yeah i'd go eight as well and with every kind of listen i'm I'm finding new stuff as well so yeah eight strong eight sorry actually one thing i would like to say as well is the title track i think actually conveys um you know kind of depression and mental health issues extremely well i mean i, I think you can kind of read into that narrative if you want to and berninger himself sounds incredibly arresting on it he sounds like he's really gotten a hold of the titular beast i suppose and just yeah. kind of has wrestled it to his kind of way of thinking so yeah a band that has definitely taken the power back and that's great to hear what else can we listen to guys uh, coming out next week is a new album from Josh Ritter. It's called Gathering. Uh, I quite like him at the best of times. I think he's, you know, ripped from the pages of that kind of like great American songbook. And I think he does a pretty decent job. Uh, on this one, like Bob Weir pops up. Uh, Matt Douglas and Mountain Goats with some incredible brass explosion on the opening track. Um, yeah, it's a good listen. I enjoyed it. I've been kind of going back um, because sadly Grant Hart from Husker Du passed mm. away and they were an incredible band who never really pop up in kind of musical conversations anymore. It's a weird one. Not a lot. Considering yeah. how actually influential Talk to Craig they were. from the host, host study. Uh, oh yeah, ma- massive yeah. fan. Um, so, you know, Zen Arcade is just one of the best albums of the 80s. So check that out.
Fair enough. Uh, I'm back in a Marilyn Manson kick. I made a playlist which I put out on the No Encore Twitter account and my own personal one as well. Go check it out if you want to give them a go. But also, uh, the revisit returns next week, guys. And uh, just fresh recorded a two-hour episode, <laughs> uh, which I presume will not be two hours once we edit it down quite a bit, but it's pretty stacked. And to nice. be fair, it's a good one. Uh, this time out on the revisit, it'll be 2004. If for whatever reason you're not familiar with the concept, we basically go back in time between 1980 and 2005 and take the temperature of the Irish music scene at the time. As I say, this time out it was 2004 and we listened to albums from Kathy Davy, The Frames, Jape, The Redneck Manifesto and The Thrills and there was much discussion to be had. So look out for that next week. Look out for us on the stage of Whelan's on the 28th of September for No Encore Live 2 alongside Overhead the Albatross, Dahi, Elaine May and of course my beautiful co-host Craig Fitzpatrick. Hey! Colin Morrigan. Hello. My name is Dave Hanrady. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore and like I say we are going to be joined on the night by some spectacular musical guests one of whom in particular we're going to have play us out this week for Exit Music. So if for whatever reason you're still undecided about coming to our show this is what it will sound like. This is Overhead the Albatross. This is Big River Man. See you at the show. And also next week, because we've got one more show before the live show.
sure. Well, I was actually going to say, like, should we like drop a few bars of something of his? Just as we go, <laughs> so you're going to say just oh, we'll <laughs> drop a few we're bars, freestyle on the <laughs> national, wrap album, into the like, national. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I figure we go rock, rock, pop, pop, pop. Sure. No numbers. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, th- there's your outtake. I figure we go rock, rock, pop, pop, pop. That's yeah, fucking my, title right there. That's my stra- <laughs> <laughs> now, no, it sounds like Dave's giving instructions for hip hop dancing. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Rock, rock, pop, pop, pop. pop. <laughs> I said rock, rock, pop, 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 not rock, pop, rock, pop, rock. Shudder. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Still paying hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Let's change that. At Zenni.com, our factory direct model means no middlemen or outrageous markups. Just the same quality frames and lens options as the other guys for one-tenth the price. Zenni offers prescription glasses starting at $6.95, as well as affordable sunglasses, blue blockers, and more. The best part? Try any frame, anywhere, with our 3D virtual try-on. Visit Zenni.com today and change the way you buy glasses forever. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.